he remains faithful. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that your word is not bound. Whether we hear your word in a church building, Lord, whether we hear your word at home, whether we hear it in our cars, wherever we are, Lord, your word is with us. Your word declares to us that you will never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. So I just pray this morning as Jackie brings your word to us, Lord, fill him with your spirit, Lord. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive and to understand, Lord, that you may be glorified and magnified for you are worthy, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, we continue this journey that we began looking at the final words of a father to his son. And the, the desire of Paul to express to Timothy here as, as Paul is uh, awaiting the headsman's acts. He wants, his son to, he wants his son in the faith, Timothy, to know that the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. A spirit of love and a spirit of self-control, calm in the storm. So apropos that we find ourselves just happening to be going through Second Timothy in, in days like this. But as we work our way through, the exhortation, I just want you to see the exhortation this morning is continuing in that vein, right? Timothy, be strong, be very courageous. It's exactly what Moses did to Joshua. What the Lord would, would pass as he would come to Joshua and tell him over and over and over again, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Only be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, even if you're stuck at home, even if you're going crazy through cabin fever, whatever those things may be, whatever those struggles may be going on, we know that we can put our hope and trust in God's ability to give us what we need for the journey before us. The Lord said he would never leave us nor forsake us. And so we hold fast to that truth. And so Timothy is hearing this from his spiritual father. He's hearing this from his spiritual hero who has spent a vast majority of his life serving God in prison and now is in a place called Mamertine, a hole in the ground with with, uh, just filth, in filth, waiting for the day when when, uh, Nero would say, off with his head. And so he writes to his son, You then, verse 1, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He begins with the phrase, be strengthened by the grace that is where? In Christ. It's not in Fox News. It's not in CNN or MSNBC. It's not on your favorite YouTuber. It's not in your favorite whatever. <clears throat> Our favorite Our grace that we need to be strengthened by is in Christ Jesus. It's vital that we understand that location is everything. The location is we need to be with him, in him. Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you 
as we're baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. That, that change of life that occurs when we enter into salvation through the name of Jesus Christ. That, that is like us being clothed. We're covered, right? My, I'm a wretch. I'm a sinner. But I'm covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, my Savior. He covers me. And the grace that strengthens me is in that. It's in that covering of Christ. Romans 13, 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. <clears throat> Many of us maybe have recognized this last week that that uh, the the flesh are the the one of the great um, ways that we see the flesh in our life today is this fear mongering. But I have no control over what's happening in the world. I was sharing with some guys today. I, I have a retirement account. Kathy and I put. Her, when her mom died, she left us an inheritance. We put it in retirement and, uh, you know, it's all disappearing because I have no control over what the market does. You know, it's supposed to be safe, but it's only as safe as the world. <clears throat> Excuse me. We all have this idea that <clears throat> we're going to, what, what's this, what's this virus going to do? What's it going to accomplish? What is, what is the world going to look like afterwards? And all that's fear-mongering. I can't do anything about that. It is outside of my control. It's outside of our purview. But we'll sit and fret and wander and worry. But the Bible tells us not to worry, right? Be anxious for nothing. But in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known. We have an anchor, like the song that we just sang. We have an anchor to our soul, being anchored to Christ Jesus, from whence comes the grace that will strengthen us, just as that great grace would strengthen Timothy in his day. Colossians 3, beginning at verse 1, says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. But put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. <clears throat> on account of these things... The wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We're putting off the old, taking on the new. Be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We need that. We have to go through this as a discipline within our spiritual walk with the Lord that we recognize fear is a liar, just like the song says, right? And we put off fear when we put on Christ. We put off fear when we put on faith. We're strengthened by the grace that we have through uh, Jesus Christ. Man, Jackie can't do this without a monster, sorry. Yeah, 
Any sponsorships out there? There you go. <laughs> so, <clears throat> look, we want to be strengthened by that. But we want to also take that, that, that has been given to Timothy, right? The, the time that Paul has poured into him. We want to take that and entrust this to faithful men. So the concept is to raise up a generation. The concept is to be a Paul for a Timothy. To find someone that you can pour into. Someone that you can give who you are, what God has shown you, what God has taught you. Give it to faithful men who can teach others. In fact, the scripture told us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul wrote, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This is what... This is what Paul's telling Timothy. You got to find Timothy. You got to find your Timothy. Timothy, you got to find your young man that you can pour into. Faithful men that will pass it on. Faithful men that will be prepared to give. And then the third thing he tells us here is share in suffering. One of my, my favorite parts of the marriage ceremony is the, <clears throat> the phrase that I share. And that phrase is, as you two are joined together, now you will multiply the joys and divide the sorrows. I don't know if anybody ever hears the second part. Often we hear multiply the joy. Yeah, we like that. More people, more joy. Yeah, we can, we can celebrate that. But also, when we come together, we are able to divide the sorrows. What, what Paul is telling Timothy is, we will share in suffering. And then he's going to give us three examples, three examples that we need to consider. The Bible never comes to a place where it gives us a, a promise of a rose without a thorn. The Bible does give us promises of good things and happy days and great joy, but it also does not hide from us the reality that in life there will be times of suffering. The 23rd Psalm, even as we go through this beautiful Psalm, describing that the Lord is everything that we need. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There's going to be struggle, but you are with me. You are here in that place. Listen to what Jesus said in John 16, 33. <clears throat> he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. How's it go? I have overcome the world. There's going to be weird things. You know, all of us have seen the memes that uh, float around. By the way, meme theology is never good theology. If you don't know what a meme is, then you've never had Facebook. If you have Facebook, then you know what a meme is. <clears throat> There's a lot of little pictures and posters that people will, will post on Facebook and and we look at those things and we see that, that the reality is there's never been a generation or a time where we have not had to overcome something. This time it's affecting the world globally, which is a bit of a trip, really. You know, usually there's a hurricane here. There's an earthquake there. There's a, there's a tragedy that strikes and it's centralized in one place or another. But this one is global. Now, here's something maybe that we have forgotten. The world has been struck by a global tragedy. It's called sin. 
And if the world doesn't turn to a savior, they'll perish, not just physically through a virus, but in reality. So we have this that we want to hold on to. The word of God challenges us. Be prepared to share in times of suffering. So here are the examples that we have laid out before us. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So I, about 30, gosh, it's getting more and more ago. When was 1985? How long ago was that? 35 years ago, I learned what it was to be a good Marine. Now, Levi learned what it was to be a good soldier. Uh, I won't take any pot shots at that right now. <laughs> but what I want us to focus on is this concept. What does he mean when he says, learn to be a good soldier? Learn to be a good soldier. A good soldier has a single-minded devotion to duty. Complete commitment. Listen to the word. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits because his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. His aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Man, 35 years ago, as a utter and complete wretch, just having been given the the news that I was HIV positive that my wife was seven months pregnant living in a single wide trailer in the middle of midway park north carolina i walked into a trailer with uh, no real hope for the future back in the in the 80s nobody had no answer for aids what was going to happen there was no medicine you took there was nothing people were dying right and left in fact they called it a pandemic crazy so i walked in and i told my wife that that i had been obviously living a sinful lifestyle i had been involved in multiple affairs and and uh, completely and utterly an unfaithful man and i walk in and i tell her you know i'm going to be here i always did this thing i've shared this before with you guys but i've i've did this thing you want the good news or the bad i still do it today and my wife, after all these years, oh my gosh, you guys are beautiful. But the body of Christ supplying their pastor his habit. <clears throat> ah. Yeah, please forgive me. <laughs> I, look at, I looked at my wife and I did what I've always done. I said, good news or bad news? And she says, like she always does, give me the good news. So I said, I'm going to be here when, uh, when our son's born. And then uh, she says, well, what's the bad news? That seems like good news. I'm HIV positive. She had given me a million chances. Ladies, you know what, the, what, what this must have been like for her. She's given me a million chances, and now I come home with a death sentence, the death sentence that I might have given to her, the death sentence that I may have given to my child. And I... I remember her saying to me, she said, uh, I don't want my husband to die. Now, I would have said, you dirty, rotten, good for nothing. I would have said a lot of other things. But the Lord spoke to me in that single wide trailer in Midway Park, North Carolina, through the voice of my wife, giving me grace. 
And I remember as we had this, you know, little moment of spiritual healing within our marriage, kneeling in front of the couch on, on the, in the single wide trailer with duck print paneling and pink curtains and red carpet was the most hideous thing you can imagine. I remember praying to God and saying, I'm your man. I don't know what I got. I don't know how long. I don't know how all this is going to work out. I have no idea where everything's going to be. But on that day, on that carpet, in front of that couch, I came to understand what it was to have single-minded devotion. God extended to me forgiveness as I repented of my action. And we began a journey that finds us now in Buell, Idaho, 35 years later, still kicking, three kids. About a year after that day, praying at that couch, uh, God delivered me from HIV. You can argue all you want. I don't care. I'm not telling this for you. I'm telling you this for me. But I surrendered there like a good soldier. And I stopped being entangled in all the other stuff. All the other stuff just starts to fall away. What does it matter? What does it matter? I don't know how many tomorrows I had. I don't know how many days I'm going to wake up. I don't know when I'm going to get sick. I don't know any of those things. All I know is I want to be a faithful man who loves my wife and a faithful soldier to my general my king, Jesus Christ. So I wanted to have that no distraction by all the other things. There's a lot of things distracting us right now. And there's a lot of people right now that need to know there's hope in Christ. I don't know if the world's going to look different when this is over. Maybe it does. It's okay. Maybe a lot of things look different. Maybe a lot of things change. Maybe a lot of things are going to shift but I'm not going to be afraid nor focus on that. I, I would encourage you today, find yourself a quiet place. Kneel before your God and King and let him know that you are his man or you are his woman. You are his person. You are his soldier. And then just listen to where he guides and how he will lead the first example, share in suffering like a good soldier. Don't be focused on all the things that will distract us. Focus on the job. What is it that God is calling us to? The second example is that of an athlete. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, this is hard for me because I'm a cheater. <clears throat> I'd like to say there are some redeeming characteristics that I have. I'm not sure what they are. I know... I'm a wretch, I'm unfaithful, and I love to cheat. In fact, if you sit down to play a board game with me, I will make this promise. Don't invite me if that bugs you. I'm going to try to cheat. Now, I'm just having fun. I don't care about winning, but I just want to know, can I cheat? And then the Lord gives us this scripture. We want to be an athlete. It's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. There's no cheating. And there's no cheating in life. I can play a computer game and I can type in a cheat that makes me not be able to die. And then I can beat the game. But did I really beat the game? No. And in life, is there a cheat code like that? 
Anybody got a cheat code? I'm out of toilet paper, so you just type in the cheat code TP, and poof, all the toilet paper you need appears. No, that's not how life works, right? We compete according to the rules. But even more than that, this section of Scripture is talking about this. The idea of the rules is not just the rules of the race. Here's the, the track of the race, and you have to run this track. The rules of the race deals more with the preparation. Listen, an athlete's not crowned unless he's dedicated to the craft to do the work necessary before the race, right? Because if we want to win the prize, then we got to focus on the goal and do the things necessary to achieve that goal. An athlete does not does not win if he doesn't understand what must... Maybe all of us would like to win a Super Bowl. But there's a big difference between us and the guys that do, right? There's another level of self-control. There's another, another level of dedication, commitment that we see. In 1 Corinthians nine twenty four, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? Then what does he say? So run that you may obtain it. If I want to win the prize and I'm going to run a race, what do I do? I don't sit on my couch and eat donuts. I don't go get another bowl of ice cream. I don't put my feet up and watch uh, whatever the the latest craze is on, on Netflix or whatever else is going on. I don't do that. I, I compete according to the rules. I know what I have to do in order to win the race. Do you know what you have to do in order to win the race? What is the race we run? We're running to our Savior. We're running to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. What is it that we need to do to, to accomplish that goal? What is it that we need to do? Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 9, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable crown. But we, an imperishable crown. We're not doing it for something that doesn't matter. We're doing it for something that does. So Paul says, so I don't run aimlessly. You ever seen somebody run aimlessly? Now, sometimes aimless running looks like fun. You know, you just wave your hands in the air and just run. When I did football, we had a thing called form running. So I would teach guys, here's how you do your hands. This is how you do your feet. This is how you get the majority of speed out of your body. You practice these things. And as they did that, as they would practice those things, they would get better. Aimless running doesn't get better. You may be happy, but you're not improving. Paul says, we want to share in suffering like a good soldier who bows the knee to his king and reports to duty, and like an athlete who understands the dedication necessary to win the prize. What do you need to do to win the prize? To hear that that thing that we want to hear, to follow the training, that same training that Paul had given Timothy. In Philippians 3, verse 12, it says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Not that I already got it all worked out, I got it all solved, I got all the things done. It's not that. What is it? It's that I'm going to press on. I'm going to continue to move forward. To say, look, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all solved. I don't have it all worked out. But here's what I do have. 
I have my eyes on the prize. What's the prize? An imperishable crown. Something that we will will hold on to for all eternity. That moment when we look in our Savior's eyes and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. The third example is in verse 6. It says, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Now the first example, the soldier being single-minded, determination committed to his king. The athlete understanding the things about his training so that he's dedicated to what he's doing. And the farmer, he's an example of hard work. Sometimes it's just hard work. Nowadays, maybe we don't understand this. Maybe we don't understand that that, uh, things don't just fall out of the sky and land in our lap. If I want my yard to start looking like it's supposed to look in spring, I actually got to go work in it. If I want a harvest, I actually have to participate in the planting, in the, in the, in the sowing of the seed, the caring of the field, that I might also share in the fruit of the crop. I want to go forward. In Colossians 3.23, it says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward, for you are serving the Lord Christ. It's about him. One of the things that this whole thing, this coronavirus has brought about is the incredible level of selfishness in mankind. Look, I know. I'm, I'm not saying I'm above being selfish at all. But sometimes the Lord allows things to enter into our life to give us a real view of who we are. You know, every time we have a Black Friday and I see somebody fighting somebody else over a Barbie, I think uh, we've totally lost the whole focus of what, uh, what, what Christmas was supposed to be about. And when I look at people hoarding and withdrawing and isolating, and I understand that we have to do that to, to try to control the spread of the disease, but we also can find a way to reach out, to touch a phone call. You know, there's a, I hate texts. I hate them because I, I can't hear you. I'm an I'm a older generation. So texting, I can't tell if you're mad or not. And every time I answer a text, I get one back that says, are you angry? <laughs> no. You know, you, they, sometimes they'll say, hey, uh, whatever, you know, are you home? And I say, yes. Are you mad? No. How come you're only using one word? Ah, I'm just answering the question. <laughs> you want a conversation? Call me. Look for opportunities to, to be able to connect with people in this time. When, when cabin fever is, is raging so high, look for ways not to be selfish. I can be totally self-absorbed, but that's not how I learned Christ. So if I get a call, I'm going to do what I can to help. Now, I don't have everything, but maybe we corporately together have enough. I, I was struck by several things people shared on Facebook about the fact that when the children of Israel were traveling through the desert, the Lord said to go out and gather what? Your daily bread. Don't get two days worth, just one. 
<clears throat> if you get two days worth, the other's going to rot. Just get what you need today. Now, today we say, well, that's just not prudent. Maybe not. But I know if we all just get what we need for the day, there will be enough. And if somebody gets what they need for a year, someone else may not have what they need for a day. And if you are that person who may not have enough for the day, my God supplies all my needs according to his riches. And so you call me and I'll give you what I have. If you need something, if you need one of the masks that people want to wear because it comforts your heart and makes you feel more comfortable, then call me. If you can't buy one, my wife will sew you one, right? It don't cost you anything. You need food, I'll give you food. I know my king. He's called me to be a good soldier, a good athlete, and a good farmer. And the crop are the people that we minister to here in Buell and Twin Falls, Filer, wherever they may be. And so as we minister to them, we do what we can. And when my coffers are empty, my God will supply all my needs. I'm not worried about it. If God wants me to be thinner, he'll let me be hungry. If he wants me to be, you know, whatever, whatever God has for me. Because that day in that single white trailer, when I bowed my knee to the king, I meant it. And for 35 years, I've been pursuing that relationship with a God who still loved me when I was that person. When the God who still forgave me. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's not for nothing. You know, maybe, maybe we're not shaking hands anymore. We elbow bump. Maybe we fist bump. Maybe we nod. I don't know. And I don't know how that all is going to last, what's going to happen. I just know that it's important that we are willing. Willing just to, to make that phone call, make that touch. Make that willingness to say, man, I'm, I'm steadfast and immovable. My God is with me. He's able to, I'm not telling us to be foolish. I'm not saying run around and be, be foolhardy. The Bible doesn't teach us that. But neither does the Bible teach us to be afraid. The athlete, he may have, have fear that wells up inside of him before the race begins, right? You ever had the butterflies? But what an athlete learns to do is turn the butterflies into energy so he can run. The soldier may come into battle and be afraid. He has butterflies rise up within him, but he's able to turn that to energy and move forward in what he's doing, not allowing fear to paralyze his action. Farmer may have fears. He looks at the forecast and he says, where's the rain or where's the water or where's the weather's not participating? Yet he works the ground. He turns that. He doesn't walk by fear. He walks by faith in the God who is able. So let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not 
give up. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to give up. In fact, James said in James chapter 1 verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Saying the words is the easy part. Doing it. Man, that's where the rubber meets the road. How do I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength that the word of God calls us to? Keep your eyes on the prize. Be a good soldier. Be a good athlete. Be a hardworking farmer. Follow those examples. And be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So what's the evaluation then? Timothy, as he's reading these letters, what does Paul want him to comprehend? Look at verse 7 of 2 Timothy 2. He says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think over all these things I say, for the Lord will give you understanding. God will show you. Where does wisdom come from? Folks, a couple hundred years ago, standard wisdom of the day was if someone was sick, to get the infection out of them, you take out their blood. Now, do we know today that doesn't work? What happens if I keep taking out your blood? Eventually you run out of it. And then... First president of the United States of America, George, you remember him, Washington? The wisdom of the day said, infection is in the blood. The word of God said, life is in the blood. Life. Where do you find wisdom? You know, we're all scampering right now. Who's got the best plan? Do they got a medication figured out? What are they going to do? And, and I'm not suggesting not to pay attention. Hey, it's the only wisdom we got. We're going to follow what they say, what they lay out for us. We want to hear it, but I'm not going to abandon what the word of God says because of it. The word of God is the final arbiter of truth and wisdom in my life. Philipp, uh, Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So here's the understanding that Paul wants Timothy to gain. He says, remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Number one, what do I need to hold on to? What do I need to think on? What do I need to focus on? You notice he doesn't say, whatever's on Netflix. He says, what do I focus on? Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. The offspring of David. The way, as he was preached through my gospel. Remember, the seed of David is risen, Jesus Christ our Lord, number one. Number two, remember our struggles. Look at verse nine. For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. Remember our suffering. Remember, Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Remember our struggles. Suffering is a part of life in Christ. Suffering is a part of life on this planet. This is how it's going to be. 
we need to recognize God never told us it wouldn't be. Paul was imprisoned. Every one of the disciples who followed Jesus went through times of suffering. I have been through times of suffering. You have been through times of suffering. We are going through one now. But as we go through those times of suffering, remember, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And this is not the end of the story. This is just the middle. This is the build. The build up to see the prize. The next thing he says, remember the word of God. But the word of God is not bound. Scriptures are never bound nor chained. Do you want to know what to do while you're trapped at home? Send me a text. I got books for you to read. You would not believe how many books I got for you. (laughs) You say, I don't want to read a book. I even have books on Audible you can listen to. You can spend time in God's word. You can spend time sitting around the table with your spouse or your family. Play a game. Talk. Do the things we used to do before all that technology came into life. You remember those things? You remember the old family dinner around the table? And all the talking that would happen before everybody had their phone in front of their face? Do you remember? Do that. Connect with one another. The scriptures are never bound. And what makes it all worth it? Look at verse 10. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. That they also may obtain what? The salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Salvation makes it all worth it. All of it. Having an answer to give to one who asks you a reason for the hope that is within you. Paul says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ is risen. Remember there will be struggles. Remember the scriptures are the key. They are never bound or chained. Remember salvation makes it all worth it. Focus on the things that matter. This is the evaluation. And Paul is saying these illustrations, this call to walk in faith and not in fear, to be strong and of good courage, to walk in love and a sense of self-control. All of these things, this is, these are the whys because the Lord is risen. Our struggles are with us. The scriptures, they're not bound and salvation makes it all worth it. Romans 13, 11 says this, beside this, know the time. Listen, know the time. The hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Truth? There was a a woman in Mexico. I don't even remember. I'm so old, it's hard for me to remember the things I did and when I did them. But I met with a, a, a woman, she was called St. Teresa of Mexico, her name was Mama Espinosa. When I met with Mama Espinosa, she was 95 years old, still reaching, ministering to the poor in uh, the area that we were going to in, uh, in Mexico, uh, way down at the tip of the Baja. And uh, so I got a chance to sit down with her. And, I, you know, whenever I get to meet with somebody who's like 95 years old and has lived their entire life serving Christ, I don't talk. I just listen. And I remember, I'll, I'll never forget what she said to us. I'm there with my youth group. 
<clears throat> we're all gathered around her and the kids are asking her questions about the days and the times. And, and uh, she said, every morning I wake up and I sing a hymn. I get out of bed singing a hymn. She said, it keeps me from groaning. You know, sore joints, body's tired, or get my mind focused on the right thing. And then she says, I lift up my eyes to heaven and I remind myself. Scripture says to lift up your eyes, your redemption draws near. And she said to us, ah, little children, don't be afraid. I can see his toes. Like his toes are hanging over the edge. We're right there. Man, I, I want to be like that. I want that kind of hope. I want that kind of a reassurance. Her job never ended. Most of us work in jobs where we're trying to accomplish a goal, right? We get to the goal. And what's the goal if you were Mama Espinosa, the poor you will have with you always? You never run out of poor. We're never going to run out of hungry. We're never going to run out of needy. These people will always be with us. So she rose up in the morning singing a hymn. She lifted her eyes to heaven remembering that today her salvation was nearer than it was yesterday. And then she got up and went to work like a good soldier, like a good athlete, like a hardworking farmer. She fulfilled the purposes that was laying out before her. Well, then Paul moves to a a word of encouragement. Listen, in verse 11, he says, This saying is trustworthy. trustworthy, For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Paul moves into what many believe was a hymn of his day, a chorus that they would sing. So he begins with this. What are we going to hold on to first? What is our word of encouragement? The resurrection is real. If we died with him, we live with him. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That was never more real than in a single wide trailer, kneeling before the couch, praying my prayer of repentance and commitment to him. I am yours. Whatever comes comes because you lord god are faithful you loved me and you gave yourself for me romans 6 8 says this now if we have died with christ we believe we will also live with him to be identified in christ means that we we died on that cross right He made him who knew no sin to become a sin sacrifice for us that we might become the righteousness of God. My life died. I died there. And I rose to new life according to the resurrection. 
And there is yet a resurrection. There is a promise of life eternal with him. <clears throat> the next word of encouragement is a rain. A rain is promised. I don't care if I'm in charge of nothing. I can't wait until he's in charge of everything. His reign. It says, if we endure, we will see his reign. We will reign with him. This is not about our glory. This is about his. This is not about our throne. This is about his. If we endure. We need to endure. What does that imply? That implies there will be a reason to want to give up. There will be a reason to want to quit. Has every soldier wanted to quit? For sure. For sure. How about every athlete? Absolutely. What about the hardworking farmer? You think he ever wants to quit? Yeah. What do they all need? Endurance. We have need of endurance. Matthew 10, 22 Jesus said, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. We have need of endurance. Hebrews 10.36 says, for you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. If we endure. It's always too soon to quit. We wake up in the morning and sing a hymn. Shake off those aches and pains. Lift your eyes up to heaven and remember your redemption is nearer today than it was yesterday. And then go do what God has laid out for you over and over again. The resurrection is real. <laughs> the rain is promised. And rejection equals condemnation. Look at the next phrase. The next phrase he says, if we deny him, he will deny us. Now, that word deny means to disown. A lot of times we, we, get, uh, we get a little bit confused about this because maybe we feel like I was in a situation and I should have proclaimed the name of Christ boldly and I didn't do it. My actions have denied the Lord. Well, in a sense, yes. But what he's talking about here is disowning him. Not, have you ever let God down? If I ask you, have you ever let God down, and you don't raise your hand, you just let God down. We all have let God down, but we do not disown him. We don't disown him. That is what it means to deny. I'm not rejecting him. I'm holding fast to him. In Matthew 10, the Lord said, whoever denies me before men, I will also deny, me, deny before my father in heaven. Whoever disowns me, I will disown. Don't reject the Lord Jesus Christ because rejection of Jesus Christ is condemnation with the world. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. Why? Because the world is condemned already. I came to save it. So we put our faith and our trust and our hope in him. We link arms with one another 
And we live out the example Paul gives us, like a good soldier, a good athlete, or a hard-working farmer. We understand that the resurrection is real, that we can hold fast to that truth. We know that His reign is promised, and it is coming. And we understand rejection leads to condemnation. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. None. So he says we we must not reject. We must hold fast. And then look at verse 13. He says, for he, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. If we are faithless. I know I've been faithless in the past and I strive ever more to not be faithless now to walk by faith not by sight to hold fast to him but I know this listen I know this God is greater than my ability to perform God is greater than my failure God is greater than my need when we fail, he will never fail. When we fall, he will never fall. When we are faithless, he remains faithful. He will always come through. We may not. It is not in God's nature to fail. Do you believe that? It is not in God's nature to fail. He will accomplish what he has set out to accomplish. And we can hold fast to that truth. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, this is what Paul wrote. He said, I thank him who has given me strength. Strength. Who's the him? Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. And we talked about this before. Paul was not faithful then. He was faithful in killing Christians. He was faithful in persecuting the church. Listen to what the Lord said. I thank him who gave me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me. He proclaimed me faithful. And I am who God says I am. Paul says, God proclaimed me faithful. He judged me faithful. He appointed me to his service. And then Paul explains, verse 13, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. I'm reminded the psalmist when he describes the differences between us and God. He, he says that the Lord has, he pities us like a father pities his children because he remembers our frame. You remember? What is our frame? That he made us from the dust. I always thought it was interesting that the psalmist described us as dirt clods. And I think, what do you expect out of a dirt clod? When you go outside and you see a dirt clod, do you expect a lot out of it? As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities us. He remembers our frame that we are dust. 
but he speaks to that dust. He breathes upon that dust and it becomes what? A living being. He fills that dust with his spirit. He empowers that dust to become what God wants it to become. And so, though previously we acted ignorantly and in unbelief, he has empowered us to be more. Through his grace by which he strengthens us. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. His grace overflowed to me through faith and love. Man, God delivers us everything that we need. Everything. I'm 35 years older than that young man who wept in that single wide trailer and lifted up his broken life to God and said, you make out of it what you want because I pretty much messed it all up. But I still remember the feeling of grace and love and faith. And I still remember it every time I kneeled to pray. Every time I opened the word. Every time I connect with my Savior. He's never left. He has been with me through it all. And they were not all easy times. But he hath delivered me through them all. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. I am chief. That was the heart of Paul. That's my heart. I hope it's yours. God is able to save us from the guttermost to the uttermost, to deliver us from death to life. And he has not left his throne. Paul's word of encouragement to Timothy, be strong and of good courage. Walk in the grace that God has given you. Do not be afraid, but walk in wisdom and hold fast to our God and King, for he is able to deliver. He says, I have received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. Paul said, my life has become an example. I am saying my life has become an example. You also can say, my life has become an example of the grace and mercy of God, the love and the power that he gives us to walk. So that we today can hear what God is saying. What is he saying? Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Paul, as he passes the baton to Timothy, is saying, Timothy, I'm gone. I'm almost gone. I hope that we can be gathered together again. I hope that I can see you again. But if not, I need you to know that you need to carry on. Oh, I don't know if I can carry on without you, Paul. You've, You've been everything. Oh, you can. Because the same God who is with me 
is with you. Timothy would want us to know today the same God that was with him all those years after Paul is with us today. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time that we can gather before you. We thank you that uh, even though sequestered in our homes, we are not cut off from the power of the Spirit of God moving and working in our life. Lord, in these uncertain times, we are not going to falter. We are not going to fear. We are not going to hide. We will walk in wisdom. We will follow the governance of the authorities set over us. And we will proclaim the power of Jesus Christ, who is mighty to save. And understanding, though we may walk through a time of suffering, and though our world may be totally different, when all this is said and done, my king is the same. My trust is in Jesus Christ. He is able. So God, we put our faith and our trust, our hope in you. For our hope is in you, Lord. You will keep us from harm because one day you're going to bring us into your presence and in your presence nothing will ever hurt us again. In Revelation we we read about the martyrs and it says that the martyrs come before the Lord. It says the sun will never again scorch your face. The struggles that have been marked by this life in this place, they will pass away. So that Paul could proclaim that I don't consider this present suffering worthy to compare with the glory which shall be revealed in you. Yeah, he will deliver us because he delivers us to himself. And he tells us over and over again in the word of God that there will be no darkness there. But then he asks us this, only do this for me. Be faithful till I come. Stand in the gap for your fellow man. Be his hands and feet in this earth be the voice reaching out to calm a neighbor be quick to offer prayer be quick to offer hope give of yourself you won't be sorry you did there will be a day when there will be no sickness there will be a day when there will be no sorrow, there will be a day when we will see his face and we may hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus, he told a a story in the gospel of Matthew as he discussed the day of the judgment between the sheep and the goats, and he will divide the sheep from the goats. And 
Scripture said, this is how he will do it. He will say to those on his right hand, to the sheep, he will say, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in jail, you were there. And they will say to him, Lord, when, we did, when did we do these things? And Jesus will say, when you, when you did these things to the least of these, my brethren, you did these things to me. May we be men and women of faith. And when the curtain rises on this current tragedy and we look toward the next, may we know that you, God, are able to do abundantly above all we ask or imagine according to the power that works in us by your Holy Spirit. God, be glorified in this place as we trust you, as we step out to be the men and women you're calling us to be. God, be glorified in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.